This is Upstate's HealthLink on air. Linda Cohen here with you. Making the decision to breastfeed your baby is quite personal, and it's also one that's likely to draw strong opinions from both friends and family. And even though many medical authorities, including the American Academy of Pediatrics and the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists, strongly recommend breastfeeding, each mom and baby are unique, and they must arrive at that decision based on their individual circumstances. Well, here with more on all of this is Dr. Jane Charlam. She's Associate Professor of Obstetrics and Gynecology at Upstate Medical University, and she's the Director of the Division of Breast Health and Breastfeeding Medicine. Welcome to you. Thanks for coming in, Dr. Charlam. I'm happy to be here. So let's just discuss this whole idea of the decision. I mean, it's a very personal one for mothers, but tell us what you've seen in your experience. Well, I think absolutely, like you say, every mom and baby, it's an individual couple, and every family needs to make the best decisions for themselves. However, we know as time goes on that there is a big importance on how we nourish our infants and that health outcomes both for mom and baby depend on those first few years of the way we nourish our infants. So if looking back historically in the early 1970s, our breastfeeding rates in this country were very low and only one out of every four infants left the hospital breastfeeding. Since that time, fortunately, as we recognize the importance of breastfeeding, we've seen our breastfeeding rates go up. And right now in this country, the majority of infants do receive some breast milk at some point in their lives. Unfortunately, though, we're falling short of our goals as a nation as far as what we'd like to see is our breastfeeding rates in longer term at six months at one year. So there are, I mean, it seems to me there are a lot of crucial considerations in terms of that a mother must, comp, you know, kind of contemplate before making that decision. Um, whether they're working, for example, whether, you know, the whole issue of having to pump and, and provide enough breast milk if they are away from the baby for periods of time. But we'll get to those in a minute. I, I'd like to kind of once again underscore what are the known benefits first for the infant in terms of breastfeeding? Well, actually, when I think about benefits and looking at breastfeeding, I don't think about there being any benefits to breastfeeding. In my mind, breastfeeding is the normal physiologic process the way we humans should nourish our infants and the way we humans have nourished our infants for millennia. As mammals, basically. Absolutely. So I don't think of there being any benefits to breastfeeding. What we need to look at, though, are what are the risks of not breastfeeding for both mom and baby. So let's talk about those. As far as the infant, the, the reason we find breastfeeding to be important for an infant is we know that infants who aren't breastfed are at higher risk for disease. And I know folks know about that risk as far as other developing countries, it's very important we worry about infections and nourishment. Here in the United States, we're fortunate to have other opportunities to nourish an infant with artificial formulas, but we still know that it's important. We know that our infants right here in the United States, if you do not breastfeed your infant, your infant is more likely to get ear infections, diarrhea, be hospitalized for any reason increased risk of leukemias and multitudes of other illnesses, including diabetes. We know that infants that are not breastfed have lower IQs at school age. How about things like allergies and asthma and things of that nature? Are those also more prevalent in non-breastfed babies? There's some research out there which is a little bit controversial, so we don't see a strong relationship, but certainly it's something we need to look at. And how about weight gain? Because there was a lot of talk about their more of an appropriate weight gain when they are breastfed as opposed to bottle fed. 
Absolutely. And this is something we talk about a whole lot in the medical world is the growing incidence of obesity, especially in our pediatric community. And we know that infants who are not breastfed are more likely to go on to be obese. Let's turn to the mother for a moment here. Now, so you've made a very a very key point, which is that this is the, the, the natural way of all flesh, so to speak, the way we were meant to, through our evolution, to function. So where, both in terms of benefits to the mom, but what are the concerns in terms of health if you don't breastfeed? Absolutely. And again, the normal state for a woman after a pregnancy would be to breastfeed. So if we look at what happens to a woman's body during pregnancy, and I'm sure many women can relate, we add fat onto our bodies. When we're pregnant as women, we tend to be a little bit diabetic and women know that we test for that in pregnancy that we have a little bit of insulin resistance we call it um, there are other changes hormonal immunologic changes that occur normally during pregnancy now during lactation that's a time where the human body where the mom's body can kind of reset those physiologic changes in a normal way and so if you turn that around you think well if this woman isn't breastfeeding She's not resetting those processes. She's not going back to the normal healthy state of glucose regulation and fat in her body. And therefore, is she at higher risk for disease? And we're starting to see a lot of evidence in research that shows that women who do not breastfeed after a pregnancy are indeed at higher risk of disease. Things like? Things like diabetes. We know that a mom, particularly moms that have problems with diabetes during lactation or during pregnancy, gestational diabetes, those women are more likely to go on and develop adult onset diabetes, type 2 diabetes, if they do not breastfeed. We know that women are at higher risk of cardiovascular disease, hypertension, high cholesterol, and even getting heart attacks if they do not breastfeed. And How about cancers? Cancers, absolutely. We know that women are at high risk of both ovarian and breast cancers. Women who do, do not breastfeed are at higher risk of those malignancies as well. And I read something about osteoporosis. Is there a tendency that it, it, that it does lower your risk if you breastfeed? We don't see a great evidence that it lowers risk, but I know a lot of folks come to me in my office and are concerned that breastfeeding may increase the risk because they think, gee, goodness, I'm making all this milk and calcium is in milk. Am I losing calcium from my bones during pregnancy and during lactation? Is that dangerous for me for my risk of osteoporosis? And that's a really valid concern. We do find that a woman's osteoporosis, her bone density will decrease during both pregnancy and lactation normally, but that all goes away. Once she weans that baby, she's at no higher risk of osteoporosis than a woman who didn't lactate. So all in all, from an overall perspective in terms of health, both for the baby and for the mom, breastfeeding really is kind of the way to go in terms of it's, assuring a, a, a much healthier outcome. Absolutely. It's the way to have the most health benefit, or you look at it the opposite side, it's the way we were norm we are normally meant to function. And how about from an economic standpoint? I mean, we often talk about things like, you know, you have to buy formula, you have to sterilize nipples, you have that there's time and money involved. and <clears throat> and breastfeeding is free milk, basically. So um, do you think that it has a big impact on our economy as well? Well, certainly at the, if you look at the family level, 
breastfeeding rather than buying formula and bottles, like you said, from a family standpoint, absolutely saves money. And there are different estimates between $500 and $1,000 per baby that you breastfeed instead of bottle feed. But more importantly, when we look at all these health issues, from the societal standpoint, we can save many, many dollars in the terms of millions and millions of dollars, both because of prevented disease from mom and baby. Even when you look at a mom who has a healthier baby, that baby's less likely to be sick, less likely to be needed to miss school, so the mom doesn't need to miss work. So even when we look at time off of work, our society would save money if we increased our breastfeeding rates. There are many ramifications. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Upstate's HealthLink on air. I'm Linda Cohen, along with obstetrician-gynecologist Dr. Jane Charland, and we're talking about the benefits, um, health and otherwise, of breastfeeding. So what do we need to do as a society and a community at large to support women in this role of basically being a lactating mom? Well, I'm glad you asked it that way. I think we have been doing a really good job of promoting breastfeeding, talking about the benefits of breastfeeding or the risks of not breastfeeding. But what my own concern is that we're not doing a great job yet of supporting breastfeeding. We know that women, even women who want to breastfeed, over 60% of them don't meet their own goals. And therefore, we are doing something wrong as a, as a society, as a community, the medical community, the global community. And we're trying to change that. So, so when you say their own goals, first help me understand what their goals would be. And I want to talk a little bit more about what is optimal in terms of the length of breastfeeding and how much breastfeeding. So, so every woman needs to make her own goal. Uh, however, from a medical standpoint, what we see as the optimal or the normal way to, to nourish an infant would be exclusive breastfeeding for six months. That's nothing other than breast milk for the first six months of an infant's life. And then for the next six months, between six and 12 months, adding some complementary feedings, other foods, finger foods, fruits, vegetables, meats, and some grains. And then continuing though breastfeeding for that six month period for at least one to two years, and then longer, depending on what each mom and baby, what's right for them. But at least a year of life. At least a one to two for years of life. For breast milk to be an important milk. component. Absolutely. If not the sole component, the first six months. First six months exclusive, absolutely. So are people, I mean, so when you say supportive, so let's talk a little bit more about how you envision the community doing a better job or the environment, the, the work environment, doing a better job in supporting women. I think actually it starts in the hospital that when we're caring for moms and babies right at delivery, there are things that we know from research work to help get that mom and baby off to a good start. Little things that don't seem like a lot make a big difference. Things like putting that baby, provided everything's healthy, putting that baby right skin to skin with mom, getting that mom and baby, giving them an opportunity to nurse within the first hour after birth. Having that mom and baby together, rooming in. We know that hospitals that room their babies in with moms, they have higher breastfeeding rates. But how about the larger community? I mean, the whole idea of family-friendly businesses, places where women have a private area perhaps to pump if they need to, or even a, a daycare center on, on site so they can 
be able to go and breastfeed during the course of a day. I mean, that seems like those are things we've been talking about for over 20 years, I know, in my own life experience. Absolutely. You know, we're fortunate here. New York State was broke a lot of ground as far as breastfeeding rights. We were the first state to have legislation protecting a woman's right to breastfeed in public. And recently, there's new legislation mandating that employers provide time and space for a woman to pump at work. You know, you mentioned work a lot because many women are employed outside the home, and that's a big issue because if your baby's not right there. So one concept, like you mentioned, is to have the baby close by, but for some moms, that's not a possibility. Certainly providing the space is important, but I think something that we need to look at as a culture is providing moms with longer maternity leaves. When we look at across the world, countries with higher breastfeeding rates, they almost always have a much more liberal policy on having a previously employed mom allowed to stay home with that baby for many, many more months than is typically provided by employers here in the U.S. What would you see as ideal then? Let's say let's put on our kind of fantasy <laughs> cap. What would be an ideal period saying the economy could, could balance that? Ideally, I think it would be fabulous to have a year of maternity leave paid. Is that possible in our economy? I don't know, but certainly we have much room for improvement given the current typical four to six weeks that many women are, are forced to Or at to least have do. a job held, whether you're actually yeah. paid during that period or not, at least have the position you know, uh, available to you when yeah. once you would want to return. These are obviously very dramatic changes that would have to take place, but I think clearly they would be very important in terms of an infrastructure and providing that kind of su that support for women. Do you find, um, I know in my own life, for example, I did successfully breastfeed my own children till a full year of life, but found very early on that something that helped me very much was that I was told that I could use a quote-unquote relief bottle. I didn't find pumping easy. This is going back 20 more years. 30 years ago before they had electric pumps. And I found that that really helped me sustain it over time was the idea that I could use a formula bottle one a day perhaps and someone else could be helping in the process of, of, of feeding the baby. Do you see that as viable as well? I think many women choose to do that at some point. I don't find that to be ideal because we know exclusive breastfeeding is important both for the baby's health, but also to maintain that supply, especially in the beginning. So if a mom is going to choose to go that route, I would strongly urge her at the beginning not to do that because those early weeks are so important in establishing her supply. So you have a, some kind of a support team going on. Tell us about that really quick. Absolutely. Here at Upstate, we recently started our Division of Breast Health and Breastfeeding Medicine, and I think that speaks to Upstate's recognition that this is an important topic. So for moms and babies that don't find the support they need in their own medical team, we are very happy to see and talk to them about ways that we can support them through medical management, if possible, and certainly referral to a lactation specialist. Well, we'll have a link to your um, service, your clinic, or your um, department on our website. Thank you so very much for coming in. My guest has been Dr. Jane Charlam. She's Associate Professor of Obstetrics and Gynecology at Upstate Medical University, and she is also the Director of the um, Division of Breast Health and Breastfeeding Medicine. I'm Linda Cohen, and you're listening to Upstate's HealthLink on Air.